This is John D. LeMay from Friday the 13th, the series, and Jason Goes to Hell. And you're listening to the Dead TV Podcast. that there's a cursed object behind all this. The price is the sacrifice of life itself. I know I had twins. Where's my baby? Now Mickey, Johnny and Jack must save the innocent offspring of an ancient religious cult. We need another sacrifice. So the druids can rise again. On an all-new episode of Friday the 13th, the series. And you're listening to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled TV series in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. And tonight, we say goodbye to Friday the 13th, the series. I'm your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And tonight's episode is The Tree of Life, which was also a movie starring Brad Pitt. Did you ever see that? (laughs) No, I hadn't. (laughs) I think there's many trees of life, including like the Garden of Eden and so on and so forth. But this one has to do with druids. Mr. Zeneca has the episode synopsis for us. Yes. Uh, The Tree of Life originally aired May 7th, 1990. An obstetrician practicing druidism (coughs) utilizes a cursed statue to breed druid priestesses at her fertility clinic. Wow, is that a tongue twister. Oh, my God. Okay, so this episode has a combination of a few things that that reminded me of. Um, The only thing it was missing was Johnny running through the scenes in a bear costume and striking a woman in the face. Did you uh, ever see The Wicker Man starring Nicolas Cage? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, oh that my is God. my favorite scene in that oh. movie, is that he goes running through the field and just socks the leader right in the face in the, in the bear costume. Yeah. I, I did not like this episode. I will tell you that. Uh, using druids for this purpose is asinine. Yeah, it, okay, um, so is this as bad as using witches like on Sabrina's Chilling Adventures to be Satan worshippers? Or I like mean, witches in general every five minutes being used to worship the devil or worship something that they don't normally worship just to, you know, because of Hollywood fiction? Yes. You know, it, it's it's as bad as that, but this graded on me a little bit more perhaps because while witches, there's it's enough in our culture that... Uh, there's good in there and there's bad and there's also people that do good and bad and you know it, it, but druids as an overall they don't want anything to do with anyone uh, that that is doesn't want to be around them like they're they're the most peaceful uh, nature loving uh, pagans that I've ever met. Uh, to, to say that they would steal children and that their evil would spread around the world or that they had to breed followers. Like, oh, my God, this is awful. Yeah. Awful. Where does that come from? Like, it, it's a Hollywood thing, right, again, that the druids are evil. I mean, have, you've seen Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, right? They use the Stonehenge, uh, a miniature version of Stonehenge to uh, help activate their uh, silver shamrock masks. 
and it kills like all the children in the world on Halloween night. Well, I I think what is going on is that a lot of people equate druidism with uh, witches or paganism of of such sorts. Are you saying they're so, not the same? They're not. They're not all worshiping the devil. They're not worshiping. No, they're not the same at all. Like you don't call a group of druids a coven. You oh. call them a grove. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. I guess we're all grossly misinformed. No, grossly, grossly. Like uh, you know, the, some things in this episode are accurate, such as uh, the druids. One of their gods would have been Kurnos or Cernos. Uh, depends on how you pronounce that. So. so it would have been that. The statue that they use is accurate. Um, some of the things that Jack says is accurate uh, about the oaks. The meaning, return of the uh, druids, the way he says it, too. Yeah, and he is, I mean, Chris Wiggins did an excellent pronunciation of Gaelic. Like, getting that gluttonal stop at some of those words is hard to do, and he just smoothly right went through it. And I do not speak Gaelic, so I have no idea what he said, but it the sound was accurate, and that is, oh, that's excellent. This episode has so many people in it, we just don't have time to go over all of them, but the, uh, the Druid Priestess, played by Gail Garnett, still alive today, bit part actress... Uh, Brendan Bazinet, Baz, Bazinet, Bazinet, uh, lives in Saskatchewan, Canada. According to this, kind of still also still alive today. Still working today too. Uh, recently was on the strain. Um, John Inus uh, plays. I think one of the, he, he's currently he was on Riverdale for an episode recently, and the man in the high ca- the man in the high castle as well. So also still working today. Uh, played uh, Father uh, Bogdani on Supernatural uh, a few years ago. But, uh, yeah, huge cast of people, considering all the little girls, too, and all the midwives. And they're all, like, the way that they're chanting and moving, they're all, oh, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> By the way, so when they sacrifice one of these dudes, um, the you know, the man goes to the graveyard, and the tree swallows him up, it reminds me of the rapey tree in The Evil Dead. Oh, Totally. That's the first thing I thought of, too. Of course, Johnny, when he gets captured, he's getting grabbed by tentacles every five minutes. I thought they were going to penetrate him in his orifices. <laughs> like a <laughs> hentai cartoon. Show, like, different direction. <laughs> like a hentai cartoon. Yeah, I know. Um, the the work that they did on the tree and to get all those tentacles to, to grab onto all the fathers, uh, that was pretty cool. But yeah, it was very, very Evil Dead. Very evil dead. Although, uh, when Johnny was taken <coughs> under, the tree automatically didn't latch onto him like it did with the father. Probably because he didn't have any, uh, he didn't have a, uh, any sperm in the, uh, in the, uh, sacrifice. Because it's all about, like, the father has to be connected to the, uh, you know, the, the sperm donor has to be connected to it. This, in this episode, yes. That is yeah, because I mean, that's all, <laughs> that's all they need the dad for, is just to obviously impregnate his wife. I mean,. The, they just need the sacrifice. So it's like, kill the dad, the only thing he is to them is basically like the sperm donor. You know, he's not really, you know, needed for anything other than being the sacrifice. When uh, when Johnny goes to investigate, the women in the white are drinking from a plastic... It's supposed to be real, but it's a plastic skull. And they're you're like, whoa! I didn't know druids were drinking the blood from skulls! <laughs> I mean, you could have a whole bunch of ceremonies with different things. Uh, depends on on how the grove is going to handle certain things. But druids are not war people. 
uh, it's they're they're basically uh, peacemakers. So having them drink out of a skull, it's like uh, it's a possibility. It might have you know happened. Uh, someone can certainly design a, a ceremony right now and, and drink from someone's skull uh, or a plastic representation of a skull. <laughs> but it's just not something that they do. Yeah, ordinarily, I think. The girls up in the attic were like just you know kind of living up there. It's kind of creepy. The little girls when when uh, yeah. Mickey goes and investigates. The the nursery in the attic. The flowers in the attic. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, they're all girls, so. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean anything these days. That's true. I mean, don't uh, forget. But being it, that they were like five years old. Well, I mean, if they had lived up there and they kept discovering themselves, you know, who knows? <laughs> oh man, yeah, this episode it, it's. It has all of these women giving birth to a set of twins. One's a boy, one's a girl, and the boys get taken off with the family, and they and they they drug the women to not believe that they just had two babies, and they take the girls. So they never really go into how they impregnated them with twins or anything about the procedure. Why is it Johnny is the only person to believe this crazy woman on the streets? Like Mickey and uh, Mickey and um, uh, Jack don't like of all the stuff they've seen, couldn't possibly believe her. I, I don't know. Johnny has a, a pretty soft heart, you know. He helped the crippled girl, you know, by giving her back the wheelchair. Right. But he does have seem to have a bit more of a heart, uh, I think, than Ryan did. Ryan would do it because the girl was involved and he wanted to get in her pants. Well, not the only reason. I don't know. All the women that Ryan kept helping. Uh. <laughs> and then when they dated him, they ended up dead. Yeah, this... I don't know what you want me to say about this episode. I have a lot of notes about druids and whatnot. Uh, but the the whole plot line of this episode is, is pretty damn simple. You know, it's, it's a baby-snatching routine. And somehow this tree is growing more cursed objects. Yeah, isn't that weird? And that's the first time a cursed objects replicated itself. Yeah, it, it's... It's replicated the, the, other stuff. Our, I mean, cursed objects have replicated other things, like the mulcher, you know, producing money if you fed it victims. Uh, yeah. But uh, this is the first time I've seen a cursed object multiply. Now, what are some positive facts about druids that you could say? Just give us a few. Okay. Druids uh, have... Uh, three main goals for their spirituality. It's wisdom, the, the gaining of wisdom and knowledge, uh, creativity, and love. So they have a similar aspect to their lives as the aboriginals in Australia, where we went over uh, the previous weeks here, is that they believe that everything is interconnected and that and they are completely in tune with their natural environment and in particularly uh, the forests, and as Jack said in this episode, oak trees are very meaningful for them. They uh, have lots of reverence for ancestors, they work with stones and crystals, and uh, they believe in no harm to any sentient being. They believe so, in no harm, not these fictional ones who are basically sacrificing dudes left and right. Yeah, yeah, Also, exactly. druids, like, are, are druids multi-sex, or are they just... I mean, are they one sex? Can what, anyone, a can, druid? Yeah, can anyone be a druid? Yes, okay. every, anyone can be a druid. Okay, in in the movie The Wicker Man, both versions, mm -hmm. what are they? 
Are they druids too? Cultists? Cultists? Witches? Uh, Cultists. I mean, I don't think that any sect that would support human sacrifice in this day and age would be considered a legit religion. Because they're literally doing the Wicker Man when they stick people in that thing. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. Wicker Man. It's just not. A, it's just not. They obviously couldn't do a man or some type of thing because then people they would probably get in trouble for you know. But so they did it like a casket, which is what they stick like Jack in later on. By the way, well, I didn't know. Did Julius Caesar really wipe out the Druids? I yeah. He did. Yeah. So like uh, the like, territory of Rome actually went far into uh, northern Europe. So like Hitler with the with the Jews, Julius Caesar was with the Druids. Well, it was a convert or die situation. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, Hitler didn't want you to convert to become a Nazi. You were impure. Yeah. Druids believe in something called the other world, where it's uh, kind of a cornerstone of the religion. It's the realm that exists beyond our senses. So they exist that, that something is there. Uh, it is tangible, but it is um, not something that we can actually detect. So it's the realm of dreams, death, meditation, or shamanistic trance. I have gone to uh, several druidic ceremonies, and I have to say that they are endurance contests, much like Native American ceremonies where, uh, at least the ones I went to, uh, the ceremony itself is long enough to induce transcendental experiences through exhaustion. Uh, so, you know, the Druid ceremonies that I went to, uh, I was highly bored. But, <laughs> but you know, it's not a relig- religion where everything is action, action. There's a lot of meditation, a lot of inner peace that goes along with being a Druid. So I can go on, but I think that's good. <laughs> In this episode... Uh, did you notice that the cloth of dreams was uh, basically just, uh, you know, does this smell like chloroform to you, Rex? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, does this smell like chloroform? Because Jack gets it. <laughs> Why don't they just call the police? <laughs> the police just show up with the red lights flashing while they're doing their thing. I mean, they got no weapons. They got a tree. Cops got yeah. guns. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, the flowers were interesting. The way the flowers kind of opened up and it showed the miniature statue. Kind of like a a little bit of a cross between a magnolia and an orchid. Yeah, true. Uh the, by the way, the wigs on these girls are crazy. They they look like they all look like Roby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because of the big hair. Oh my god. None of those girls have hair that big. They can't. They're like five years old. Their hair could not possibly be as big as an adult's. Yeah. Oh, um, one one bit of in my notes here is uh, the timing of this final ceremony where this fruit is going to ripen and and they would each get their own little statue. Um, The timing was the winter solstice under a full moon. And what just happened a few days ago, you know, we're recording this on uh, Sunday, December 23rd, 2018, yeah. and just on December 21st was, in this year, a full moon and the winter solstice. But this episode aired back, like, in April. <laughs> yeah, I know, but in the show, you know, the the big druidic ceremony was on winter solstice with full moon. I just thought that was a huge coincidence here. 
it's just it was funny that this episode airs in April and you were like, oh, this episode, this is like a this is their Christmas episode. Christmas <laughs> <laughs> uh, By the way, so the girl, that's uh, the girl, the the leader, um, uh, she gets uh, she gets the giant tree falling on her. Yeah, that's what you get, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the lightning strikes the tree, and uh, because all because Johnny rips out the statue from the roots, his evil is powering it. Yeah, um, he's in a lot of pain trying to do it too. Yeah, yeah, fighting his way out from underneath the tree and electricity, the storm crash. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty impressive. Um, and then they have all those seedlings and the statues inside the vault now. It really bothered me when Mickey said, uh that they were going to um, uh, one more day and Dr. Oakwood would have succeeded in spreading her evil throughout the world. I, I was like, God damn it, that's not an evil religion. According <sighs> to the writers of the show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is just, no. Uh, uh, how many husbands got killed? There is a total of three people dead in this episode. Was she the original old purchaser of the object from Uncle Lewis? Uh, was she? I I don't think it was Doctor Oakwood. Gotta wonder how many guys have been sacrificed to this tree. This should be like a pile of bones <laughs> right below where Johnny's well, standing. You did, did mention twelve. So the, again, the, Johnny should be standing. Johnny and the guy who uh, he helps escape uh, should be standing on like a pile of bones. Yeah, yeah, and what all I'm, they see is that body. What I mean is like now that I'm thinking about it, it should look like the Rancor's pit in uh, Return of the Jedi. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, with the bones. <laughs> yeah. Before Luke finally puts the freaking thing down. Yeah, because, I mean, the bones wouldn't be going anywhere. Right. Uh. Well, yeah. that is pretty much it for this episode of uh, the uh, Friday the 13th. We're going to take a quick break, play the promo for the final episode that Mr. Zeneca has all sorts of great information about. <laughs> this is right up her alley of stuff she's into. Victorian yeah, yeah. dresses and whipping and, uh, oh my... On Friday the 13th, a cursed painting becomes Mickey's one-way door to disaster. Where is she? It's that damn painting. It's a journey back in time to meet a legend of evil. The Marquis de Sade. Life, like the charnel pit, offers no escape but death. The road back is blocked by his deadly plan. Mickey. On an all-new Friday the 13th, the series... And we're back with the final episode of Friday the 13th of the series, which if you listen to last week's episode, uh, Jim Henshaw came on the show to talk a lot about like the ending and how there was no plans. You know, They didn't have anything written for season four because uh, they wouldn't do anything until they know they got picked up. So this was it, you know, and uh, we say goodbye to our cast and crew. Um, I, one question I forgot to ask Jim was, if you guys had any thoughts about bringing Brian back in some way, you know, or asking John to come back maybe, but uh, didn't get to it, I can always ask him about it on Facebook. Mr. Zeneca has the episode synopsis for us for the final episode. The final episode of the Friday the 13th series. Countdown. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. The Charnel Pit. Originally aired May 14th, 1990. A two-sided painting acts as a portal back to the time of the Marquis de Sade. And hilarity ensues. No. <laughs> now, the way this happens to the victims, like it pushed through the painting and then like it stripped down and then whipped, reminds me of the movie um, Waxworks, starring Zach Galligan from Gremlins. Him and his friends go to a wax museum, and one of them, like one of them, gets uh, like 
you know, like, like killed by vampires. One of them gets killed by a werewolf. One of them, his girlfriend, gets, like, chained up by the marquee, and she is, like, getting whipped, and she's just like, more, more. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a masochist for you. Hey, oh, yeah. Let's get the education right off the bat about why this episode is something you'd be right into, Mr. Zanica. <laughs> Well, uh, this is an episode all about the Marquis de Sade, and in it, uh, BDSM plays a very heavy role here. Uh, BDSM is, of course, uh, bondage, discipline, uh, domination, submission, and sadomasochism. And, in fact, the Marquis de Sade is where we get the term sadism uh, for sexual cruelty, although he did it a lot, non-consensually, and to prostitutes. Um, but he did not murder anyone, as far as I could tell. Oh, well, that's good. Okay, so then he's a good guy. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say good. I, mean, I would say that, you know, he had some issues. So, no means yes? Is that what we're saying with this guy? With this guy? I yeah. mean, uh, he had a separate apartment after he got married. He was only married uh, one and only time. Uh, to an arranged marriage, but uh, he had a separate apartment, and the, all the bordellos in the area were warned, and he was blacklisted oh, for my. his behavior with them. Oh, so uh, he was the original Christian Grey. <laughs> well, some of the things that he was reported to do is he stomped on a crucifix while screaming blasphemies and insisting the prostitute whip him. Oh, well, that's uh, okay. Well, okay, so yeah, he asked they, the prostitute to whip him. With him. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's in fine. Another, in another incident, he whipped, whipped and got uh, hot wax all over a prostitute, and his family paid her off so that she wouldn't actually uh, report him to the authorities. Nowadays, hot wax is like, you know, pretty standard BDSM bedroom stuff. Yeah, but it, it, it depends on the candles that you use. If you have low-temperature candles, it's fairly safe. If you've got high-temperature candles and you get it too close to the body when the uh, wax strips off, it can seriously burn someone. Right, right, so right. You also don't want to just kind of, like, pour it, like, in one direction, just, like, in the same spot. Um, yeah. You want to... Well, first of all, the wax is just going to build up on top of it, and you're not, you know, it's... But you kind of want to sprinkle it around your victim. I mean, your 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 partner. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the Marquis de Sade was actually forced into exile for his behavior. Uh, he's been... Well, he was imprisoned... Uh, everything that he actually factually says in this episode is completely accurate. Uh, he was in the Bastille for 10 years, uh, moved around from asylums and prison, prisons, and basically was in prison or asylums for 32 years of his life. He wrote 120 Days of Sodom, uh, Justine, which was actually written in the Bastille and one of his most popular works, uh, <coughs> and Juliet. And that was uh, written in 1799. By the way, the actress uh, who, uh, in the episode uh, who plays Stephanie um, is currently on Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan TV series. Oh. And the uh, the actor who plays the uh, Marquis de, Say, de Sade uh, passed away in 2009, but was on 13 episodes of The Adventures of Tintin. As well as Starcom, the Donald Trump U.S. Space Force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
These are the voyages of the Starcom, the United Space Space Force. We need to build a wall in space because the aliens are coming. They're coming from outer space as well as they're coming over from Mexico. That's what the $5 billion was really for, people. It wasn't really for the Mexicans. I love Mexicans. That's some of my favorite best maids ever from Mexico. But the $5 billion, you people, the fake news of Fox and CNN made you believe that it was for the Mexican border, but it was actually for the aliens in space. I watched War of the Worlds. I know what's happening. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, okay. That's that's my uh, the last political statement, at least until we get to uh, 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 Dracula, because, oh boy, let me tell you, Dracula's going to have quite the political statements on that show. Oh, nice. And then I think we only got, like, one political episode of The Addams Family when uh, Gomez runs for mayor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <no. coughs> um... I, I was surprised, though, that they actually, in this episode, used uh, not exact quotes for Marquis the Sod, but generally things that he would have said or has reported to say were in this episode. Oh, really? Uh, like what? One must do violence to the object of one's desire. When it surrenders, the pleasure is greater. I've already told you, this is an exact quote, I've already told you, the only way to a woman's heart is along the path of torment. I know none other as sure. It's basically updated language, but, you know, things that were said in this episode from Marky Desaad's lips were kind of what he would say. And so Mickey's adoration, admiration of Marky Desaad with a little bit of, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know, what do you consider that? It's not repulsion, but she knows that he's abusive. Uh, and not sure. Says it, he, she goes forward with it anyway, but then it turns non-consensual. Um, yeah. yeah she, she's kind of teasing him a little bit in this episode, too. She writes a letter, and, you know, it, it relates all of her feelings for the Marquis de Sade, and it's it's very mixed. You know, she, you know, doubts herself through this instant. Now, this uh, whole setup that he's got going on, is this like a, uh, th is this a common, um... Uh, like aristocratic kind of fantasy that you've seen people uh, play out at like gatherings or parties or events that you've hosted? The ball in the beginning with the French costuming and all that, uh -huh. or the dungeon at, Both. Uh, for his playroom? Both. Uh, or maybe having like that, the the torture happen during the party in like the middle of the room for people to watch. Kind of like you've seen well, on like kink.com. Well, I mean, those are the type of parties I throw. <laughs> that's, that's what I meant, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, having a, a kind of a dungeon, you know, cement floor type of uh, ambiance is not what I personally do. There's a lot of clubs that specialize in that type of industrial feeling uh, or ancient, you know, castle-like feeling. Mine are very upscale and nightclub styled, you know, for my main one, Cherry Noir. But, um, yeah, his playroom that he has all of the whips and accoutrement and furniture uh yeah that would be someone's wet dream expensive equipment um great place no one can hear you scream yeah i could dig it the very mickey centered focused episode you kind of wonder how long she's trapped in the past for while jack and johnny are trying to find her well the marquis de Sade does say two days that she teased him oh it just seems like longer <laughs> It does. It, it really does. seems like she's there for like a year or something, because she also writes that letter, which, spoiler, you know, we, we find out later on, the you know, it, it kind of 
it shows back up Between at the end. Paradox here, yeah, 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 the time paradox basically. Kyle Reese very much. Yeah, um, there was only one thing that I thought could have improved the episode. I thought that if the painting in the past was flipped over to its opposite side, and Johnny and Mickey entered into the painting in uh, Marquis de Sade's castle, but if it was turned to the light side, they would live making the transfer. I thought that would be a logical and you know assumption. The way that they did it, where uh, Jack tossed in uh, two dead bodies so that their two living bodies can come back, I thought was it. It just didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. It seems like let's just make the pa- painting do whatever we think we need to have it do. Yeah, I I I thought of a, a flip of a painting would have been a, a more elegant transaction there. Now my I thought for uh, I thought we were gonna have like the whip be the cursed antique object. You need to whip someone to death. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't a tool of Marquis de Sade. I mean, really, if you had a tool of torment like that that wasn't made out of metal uh, from 1790, it would have deteriorated by now. True. Yeah. Was that a, uh, what type of whip was that? Well, he was using a riding crop during portion of it. Then it looked like he was using a type of a catanine. You couldn't really see very clearly what he was using uh, because they were doing a lot of extreme Uh close-ups, especially when he was whipping the Countess, and she was loving it. That was a completely consensual exchange until we saw her dead body the next morning. On Sabrina, the Chilling Adventures, Sabrina's aunt and the head of the um, Satan school, high school that Sabrina goes to sometimes, they made out, and then they then he felt like really bad because his like his wife, the, the headmaster of the school, uh, is like pregnant, and he so he's like you know having you know kind of an affair with Sabrina's mom or mom aunt Zelda, um, and they agree to. I wouldn't say like wash out their sins considering they worship Satan, but they she's like, you know, we must repent for what we did and making out and uh, ten lashings each or whatever. You do me and I will do you. And she's like, oh, okay. And then later on she's just like, well, if I know that that was the uh, <coughs> the punishment that I'm supposed to be receiving for the from the church, I would have uh, received my punishment much sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there is a certain percentage of people that enjoy the pain. Yeah, those are the masochists. That's the sadomasochism, masochism part of that. Uh, uh, I don't think Jesus was enjoying his when he got his. At least Jim Caviezel no. didn't look that way in that uh, Passion of the Christ movie. No, no, no. That I, I don't anticipate that to be pleasurable whatsoever. That was torture, and what Mickey was going to get was going to be tortured because it was completely non-consensual. And in fact, like, the professor at the very beginning and, and the owner of the painting, like, he is a freaking torturer of the of one of his students, uh, Larissa. By the way... All throughout the, the episode. The actor who plays General uh, Lafayette or whatever, his uh, the actor's name is Andrew Jackson. <laughs> who nice. is in several episodes of an anime series called Beyblades... And at the store I work at, we had parents coming in all holiday season asking if we had any Beyblades, which is a toy, which either the toy's based on the anime, and you're like, you you, you, you zip cord the Beyblade, and they bounce into each other into a ring and smash the other one out. 
Huh. And the Beyblades in the cartoon, of course, have, like, monsters in them, so it's kind of like Pokemon, but with, like, plastic toys instead of cards. Uh, okay, so the the toys bump into one, one another, and then if it gets out of the ring or whatever, uh, Yeah, they're they're, they're battling tops. They're basically battling so, dreidels. <laughs> so it's sumo wrestling? No, 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 they're tops. They spin around, they spin oh. around. Huh. You put a zip cord in, and you pull the cord or whatever, and they go flying, you know, they go around, and they hit each other. And... Okay. Yeah. So, like, marbles. You get kicked out of the ring, you're out. Yeah, but these have, like, bounce off each other and stuff, or whatever, and spin and okay. spin and spin. So, uh, the uh, the actor played, uh, was in, like, two seasons of, like, uh, 41 episodes of this anime cartoon. Wow. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah, interesting little tidbit for this one actor and he was on oh my god he played Stephen Hamill on on uh, All My Children for 175 episodes <laughs> so far for a fame jeez yeah <laughs> you do a lot of those episodes I don't think you need to work again for a while mm-hmm. and yeah. once he was the voice of Thanos oh yeah so interesting long career but yeah uh yeah so we're basically caught uh, historically uh between the French Revolution and, uh, I don't know, the recovery of, of France at the time. Uh-huh. And, um, I don't know, it, the Marquis de Sade, there's a lot of facts within this episode, so, um, but his, I, the killing part, I, I think, is, is not true, of course, but uh, the cruelty that he put people through, that's accurate, um... Uh, the the Marquis de Sade's parties being famously uh, lavish is also accurate. Uh, so yeah, I think it was a very well executed episode. And it was the um, I mean, in Lisa's book, she says they close the doors one final time. You know, they end the episode with the doors closing. You know, not knowing they're going to be picked up. And God, I just thought of something. We never asked Jim. There's no resolution to the show. They didn't go, that was the final object that Uncle Lewis sold. Well, no. That no. ledger was huge, and it's like, it's unfortunate that, you know, they never got all the objects. Well, that is just leading for someone else to pick it up right where it left off. Well, with with Chris dead, I mean, the well, actors... I'm not the same actors, of course. No, know? but, I, I mean, I guess so, it, but it just, I don't know, maybe like in, like, hey, books... Twilight Zone can get... A the Twilight Zone, so the Twilight Zone is an anthology series. series, though. I mean, they're not. There's no continuity per episode, so anybody can do the the Twilight Zone. But something like this, it just, it's like, oh, okay, so they left Curious Goods unattended for all these years until 2018, unless they're going to do a retro show in the 90s or 80s. So it's like, you know, no, they no, honestly, I've, I've Mr. Zeneca, they would have to remake the show and start over again because it's just like. Really? They left the freaking store unattended for over 28 years before somebody else came along and decided to go, oh, let's go after Great Uncle Lewis's antiques. No. Well, here, here's, here's how you reboot this thing, okay? Uh, it somehow collapses, and the uh, vault plus the underground uh, cave area, ceremonial area below, is hidden once again. More buildings are sp- stacked on top, and somehow... Years later, you know, three decades whatnot later, someone finds an entrance uh, through a rocky path cave into the underground uh, caverns, uh, the ceremonial caverns, 
for the entrance to hell. And then there goes the, it starts over again. They find all this cursed object. Why would Mickey, Ryan, and oh, sorry, Mickey, Jack, and Johnny not have it like bulldozed over and destroyed? I mean, are you saying they took all the cursed objects that they could get and put them in like a storage lock or something? I mean, they no, would never I'm, leave I'm that stuff unattended that, that way. They, they, building collapse or no building collapse? Well, it, they, I, I I point out that there is an episode where where one of the cursed objects, uh, the Mephisto, uh, not 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 the Mephisto ring, the um, the coin, yeah, that kills Mickey, uh, that gets buried under all this rubble, and they just kind of leave it lying. Well, they so can... why not have the building collapse and someone decides to pave over it, and they just go, well, well, that's one little coin though. We're talking about like all the other stuff down there. I mean, there's more dangerous yeah, if, things. If they, if they believe. That it is safe and no one's going to get to it. I don't. That would just. I don't believe that would happen. I believe no. they would never stop until all the things are caught. Well, no. regardless of a building collapsing or not, they would never stop because they would take the ledger. At least they would still own the building, so they might own the land, and that way they they know no one's going to go down there. And they they would just open the curious goods up someplace else. <coughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe they would take but, insurance money and go someplace else. I just they would never stop looking until they're all found. Well, I think a reboot of this would only have to have a tangible mention of these objects from whence they came, because it could be a completely different set of people that have no knowledge of an Uncle Lewis. They just have knowledge that there are cursed objects out there and they need to find them. Maybe. Well, we would uh, yeah. we'd have to see. There's obviously no interest in rebooting Friday the Thirteenth the series as much as it is Jason, you know, and Camp Crystal Lake. So, but the yeah. lawsuit, which I don't even know where it is at right now and what's happening to it, and I I didn't ask Jim because I didn't think he would either. We'll have to wait and see in the future. That is pretty much it for our coverage of Friday the Thirteenth. At long last, we are done with the show. We're taking a week off, and then we're going to begin Dracula the series. Yeah, Dracula. Uh, Starring John Rhys Myers as the Count in a kind of updated version of uh, this classic tale that was on NBC. And this show was on a year prior to Constantine. Oh. Uh, I have no knowledge of the show, so this will be interesting. Yeah, it's easy to find on DVD or on Amazon Prime, I think. Cool. Ten episodes we have, and then we're going into The Addams Family. Yes, The Addams Family. Cool. I have read the books. Now you'll get the info. You can find us on the Dead TV Podcast. We'd like to thank everyone who's a Friday the 13th fan for tuning into our long and exhaustive coverage of this show. We wish <laughs> you all a happy new year, and I uh, hope Mr. Zeneca had a great vacation, because that's why we're not re- uh, we're skipping a week. Yes, and, I am going to Harry Potter World with my son. And I will be uh, recovering from abdominal surgery. Ooh, yes. Get well soon, Dr. Chris, and we will see you in the new year. Thank you, everybody. And don't forget, you can also uh, send us an email at thatradiohorror at gmail.com and find us on Patreon at Dr. Chris's Radio of Horror. Good night, everybody, and thank you for joining us for the Dead TV's podcast of Friday the 13th, the series. Mm-hmm.